Welcome to Living in Victory with Pastor Sonny Argonzoni, your weekly podcast. Today we begin a series that will challenge you to grow in your faith and keep you walking in victory. Here is today's message from the Argonzoni Archives. The book of Acts chapter 18. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning. And Lord, we pray that your anointing that we have felt throughout the service may continue not only in this service and this portion of the service, but also throughout this entire day. Let your power, let your spirit be felt, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. And Praise the Lord. Now, the theme of our subject in chapter 18 of the book of Acts is encouraging the discouraged. And last week we started with this topic, and we just went real lightly, but we would like to continue on with the same topic that we dealt with last Sunday morning. Now we mentioned that here we have the account where Paul has left Athens and he's moving now into Corinth. He is still on his second missionary journey. Now, Paul has taken a number of missionary journeys. In fact, uh, after this chapter, let me go into the third missionary journey of the Apostle Paul, a very powerful, powerful man that God had raised up. And many of us know his testimony. Paul leaves Athens, and he begins to move on. He moves right into Corinth. And in Corinth, we're able to see that he was in a state of discouragement. And Paul was a, a candidate for discouragement because coming out of Athens, he didn't have much results. And he was preaching there, and he was working for God without really having the results that he desired to have. So he was in a state of discouragement. And he comes into Corinth, and then he begins to minister the gospel in Corinth. Now, let's begin in, in verse 1 of chapter 18 of the book of Acts. It says, after these things, Paul departed from Athens, and he came, comes to Corinth. And then here we find that uh, God begins to encourage him, the very same way God wants to encourage us this morning as well. And he encourages him in four ways that he encourages Paul. First of all, he encouraged him through companionship. And we find it here in verse 2 of chapter 18. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, later come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and he came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. Now, you notice that what he did is that he would go into the synagogue, every city that he went into, he would take the opportunity and preach in the synagogues. Now, Christianity was very much part of, of, of being, a, being a Jew as far as the, the Jewish religion. And they looked at it as, uh, as another section or a division of the Jewish religion. And it was so close because these were all Hebrews, they were all Jewish, the ones that were preaching the word. 
So the synagogues were open for them to go and to minister. And the Apostle Paul always took advantage of that. In fact, he felt that the gospel was for the Jew first, and after that, for the Gentiles. So he would always follow those principles and go into the temple and take the opportunity to preach the gospel in the temple. And when he went into the temple, this is where he met this couple, Aquila and Priscilla. They were from the same trade. They were working in, in the, as far as the trade of, of leather, and, uh, and he was a tent maker. And many times in the synagogues, they would sit, sit you down according to your trade. So it's very well that that's how he was able to meet Aquila and Priscilla. And these people, it seems that they were Christians already. They were not Paul's converts, but they already somehow had heard the gospel and had accepted Christ. So Paul stayed in their home. If they were not Christians, he wouldn't abide and also stay in their home. So he established brand new friendship. And not only did he have them as friends, but also there were also two old friends that also came by to see him. And it says over here in verse 5, it says in verse 4 also that he reasoned in the synagogues every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and also the Greeks. You notice, just on, on the Sabbath, on Saturdays, Paul would, would minister in the synagogue. And the reason why he did it on the Sabbath and he would just minister and be involved in the work of the Lord on the Sabbath was because the rest of the time he had to work to be able to earn his living. He needed money, so he had to work. And he used his, uh, his trade as far as tent making. And these people had the same trade, so he got involved in working with Priscilla and also Aquila. But then it says in verse 5 that also all friends came. And this was also encouraging to the Apostle Paul. And when Silas and Timothy was come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Now you notice, he did not only meet new friends that encouraged him. You see, being alone in a city like Corinth, that I mentioned to you uh, last week, the type of city that it was, it was totally saturated with immorality, and it looked like a, an impossible task that was before him, and he didn't have that much confidence because he just came from uh, experiencing, uh, he didn't experience success. In fact, his missionary journey in Athens was actually a flop. He didn't have revival. Revival didn't break out. There was only about two converts that are actually mentioned that were actually saved in Athens. And there he comes into this city, and it's a hard city that is full of sin and morality. So there was a tendency to be discouraged. So God gives him brand new friends that are Christians, and he's able to have a relationship with them and stay in their home, provides a home for him. And then also God brings and sends some of his old friends as well, and he sent him Silas and Timothy. Now, when Silas and Timothy came, not only was he blessed, by their companionship, but also he was blessed by their financial help. They also came with an offering. And that offering that they brought from the Philippian Christians was what was able to 
help Paul. First, he was just part-time preaching the gospel, but now because of the donation and the offering that he received that was sent through Timothy and Silas from the Philippian Christians, he was able to give himself totally to the work of God. Notice what it says over here. When Silas, in verse 5, when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia, now that word pressed, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. You notice that word press, what it actually means that he gave himself, not part-time, but he gave himself full-time to the work of the Lord. Now, I want you to look in 2 Corinthians. And this will even explain it more. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 7. When you have it, say amen. Now, you need to follow with me in the Bible if you're going to get this message this morning. Verse 7. It says, here Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and he says, Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that ye may be exalted? Because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely. You notice what he's saying? In other words, you didn't pay me. I preached it freely. And then he says, I robbed other churches, taking wages of them. Now he's referring to the Philippians. To do you service. And when I was present with you and wanted, when I was in need, I, I, I was chargeable to no man for that which was lacking to me. The brethren came from Macedonia. Now the churches of Macedonia were the church of Philippi, the church of Thessalonica, Berea. These are the three churches from Macedonia. And Paul is saying, they came from Macedonia, they supplied, and all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. And he was trying to teach here the Corinthian church principles of being generous in their giving. In 2 Corinthians here. And he's saying to them, when I was preaching the gospel to you, you didn't pay me. I didn't receive any offerings. I did it freely. And the people that helped me were people from outside. The Philippians were the ones that helped me so that I could preach the gospel of Jesus Christ unto you. Now, Paul was a man that was totally dedicated to the purpose of God. Now, you notice how God was able to bless him after he received that offering. Notice what it says over here. It says he was pressed in the spirit and began to testify to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. Meaning that he, was, he gave himself totally, completely to the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And whenever, I want to tell you this, whenever you give yourself completely to God, God will always give you fruit. And the Lord began to give him, not only did he have friendship, companionship, but God began to give him brand new converts. God's word does not return void. And I want you to follow with me what it says. And it says, and when they opposed themselves and blasphemed. Now notice what happened. As soon as you desire, or as soon as you determine that you want to give yourself fully to God, you could rest assured that the enemy is going to come against you. 
And it says that when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own head. I am clean, and from henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. This is something that he always did. He would first go to the synagogue when they would reject the gospel. Then he says, Okay, I gave you first the gospel. Now I'm going to leave. I'm not responsible. I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And that's exactly what he did. In verse 7 it says that he departed thence and then entered into a certain man's house named Justice and worship God, now notice this, whose house joined to the synagogue. Now when he left the synagogue, my friend, and these people were angry with him, he didn't go very far. God already had given him the very first convert, and that convert was a man by the name of Justice, and he lived right next to the synagogue. So what he did, instead of preaching in a synagogue, he went right next to the synagogue. He didn't go far. And then he began to have church in the house right next to the synagogue. Now you can imagine how the Jews, I mean, that's provoking the Jews to jealousy and also anger. Here they kick him out of the synagogue. He has to leave the synagogue. And he goes next door, and he begins to have church. And he had his very first convert a man by the name of Justice. Now, this man by the name of Justice is the same man that is referred to as Gaius. And I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 14. Notice what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 14. Now this was one of his converts, and he also baptized him. And it says, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and also Gaius. Now this same Gaius is the one that is referred here as Justice. And he was the very first convert that the Lord gave to the Apostle Paul in his ministry. God is encouraging him. He comes out of a complete state of defeat coming out of Athens and now he goes to Corinth and God begins to manifest his power by giving him companionship and also by giving him converts. Now notice what it says they worship God at his house and then in verse 8 it says and Crispus listen to this, not only did Justice get saved and he began to have church right next to the synagogue But in verse 8 it says, and Crispus, notice who got saved. The Lord gave him a big fish. Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue. In other words, the pastor got saved. The chief ruler of the synagogue believed on the Lord with not only did he believe, with all of his house, and that's when revival began to break out and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. The pastor got saved, the chief ruler of the synagogue. Now you can imagine the Jews and the, 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 how they felt outraged that this man would come in and also their pastor gets saved and the 
family gets saved, they're having church next door, and then many people begin to accept the Lord, and many people begin to get baptized. And then it says in, in verse 9, Then spoke the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Now, there are three things that we find here. First of all, let me just mention this. First of all, Paul was afraid. And he's just as human as any one of us. We read about the exploits of, of the Apostle Paul. But when here it tells it just like it is. He was afraid. He felt very inadequate, especially with all these Jews that were anti-Paul. And it says over here that God spoke to him. At that very moment, he needed a word of encouragement. Not only did he need the encouragement of, of companionship, not only did he need the encouragement of his converts, but he needed to also be encouraged by the very presence of God. God came to him personally and began to encourage him and began to speak to him and give him words of encouragement and words of comfort. And the first thing that Jesus says to him, be not afraid. The reason why he tells him be not afraid is because he was afraid. And then he also says, but speak and hold not thy peace. It could be very well that because of the uproar, now I'll tell you, the Bible says the devil is like a roaring lion. He is not the lion, but he's like a roaring lion. And if anybody knows how to make noise, it is the devil. And I'm sure the devil's making all kinds of noise. There's all kinds of accusations that they were going to kill him and destroy him and stop him from speaking and I believe that Paul was even contemplating uh, to stop preaching and actually stop his ministry because of the fear that actually gripped him how many times the devil tells us that he's going to destroy us and you get that fear there may be some of you that may be suffering from that even this morning that you're not going to make it that you can't make it that he's going to destroy you well, this is exactly what the devil was doing with the Apostle Paul. But God spoke to him said, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. Paul, continue to do what you're doing. And then he told him, For I am with thee, and no man shall set thee or hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Okay, three things that he actually dealt with Paul about. First of all, we find that he encouraged him three ways. Number one, he said, I am with you. I am with you. Now just Jesus telling us that, that's good enough. You know what he was telling Paul, the Apostle Paul? He was telling him, yes, there's opposition. The devil is coming against you with everything he has, but I want you to know, Paul, that I am with you. I have anointed you. You have my anointing. I, I, when I think about that, I can't help but think about the, the task that Victory Outreach is in, how we go into different countries, and the devil is always there to try to intimidate us. You know, it's not easy going into these countries. In fact, right now we're plowing away and, and we're pioneering in London, England. 
and choir, you were there. It is not an easy task. You think for a moment that the enemy is not coming at Brian and Vivian and intimidating them? And uh, you think for a moment the thought doesn't go through their mind that they want to quit and, 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 and come back home again, that that city is an awesome city that cannot be penetrated? And you can imagine the devil coming and, and speaking to them. Well, the same thing happened in Amsterdam, Holland. You're listening to Living in Victory with Pastor Sonny Argonzoni, your weekly podcast. I know you're enjoying today's message. We would love to hear how these podcasts are blessing your life. Connect with us today at SonnyArgonzoni.org. And I've told this story before. Maybe some of you may remember, maybe not. But it stands out when I was, when I was reading this, I couldn't help but think the way the devil tried to intimidate us when we went into Amsterdam, Holland. Went into Amsterdam, Holland. As soon as Raul, a little, little short little Chicano from, from California, as soon as he got there, sometimes the devil uses, not only does he use people in the world, but he even uses Christians to intimidate us. And you know what he used? He used a preacher. A preacher that had been there for many years and very experienced, well-known preacher uh, from Holland. And he went over to him and he poked his finger. One or two rows row short. This guy was big. He went over, poked his finger at him. Rose telling me the story. Poked his finger and says, young man, I have a bit of advice for you. And Gina was standing alongside of him. I would like to give you a bit of advice, and the advice that I give you is for you to take your little wife and go back from where you came from because we don't need any more missionaries here. And Raul was telling me that. So I get interested, and I said, well, what did you say? And then he stopped for a minute, you know, paused for a moment, and then he responded, he says, well, he said, you know, something strange. He says, I felt the Spirit of God came all over me. And he says, I felt a boldness that I never had before. And he says, I would never do this in the natural, but as I felt the Spirit of God come upon me, he says, I took my finger. <laughs> and I looked up at him. And I began to poke him in the chest, just the way he poked me in the chest. And I said, sir, I'll have you know that I am here not because of my choosing, but I am here because God has called me here. And because God has called me here, here's where I'm going to stay. Bones. I said, what did he say? He says, oh, he just shook his head and he walked away. You can imagine if he would have walked away, if he would have been intimidated, would have walked away and, and, and come back home, what we would have missed out, all these souls that are saved now would have not been saved if he would have let fear grip his heart instead of recognizing that the Spirit of the Lord is with us. This happens over and over again. If I had the time, I would take you to Joshua. Have not I commanded thee? He speaks to Joshua. God speaks to him, be strong and of good Courage, be not afraid, for the Lord thy God is with thee wheresoever thou goest. 
I declare to you this morning, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. Jesus says, Lo, I shall be with you even unto the end of the earth. Jesus is with us this morning. Whatever the situation, whatever you're going through, it is the power of God. So he experienced the power of God. God gave him power. Number two, also preservation. He says, no man shall hurt you. In other words, he says, I'm able to keep you. I will protect you. There is protection to the people of God. He is able to keep that which we have committed unto him. He says, I will be your protector. Yes, the enemy is going to come at you. He's going to make a, a whole lot of noise. But he says, stand your ground. Resist the devil and he shall flee. I will protect you. I will keep you. And I want you to know that he is able to protect us and that he is able to keep that which we have committed unto him. Nobody could rip us off. The devil can't rip us off when we put our trust and confidence in Jesus Christ. And then last of all also, another encouragement he gave him, he gave him a promise. And the promise that he, said, he gave him, he says, I have many people in this city. He gave him a promise. He says, what you're doing for me, I want you to know that you will have results. Yes, you had a bad time in, in Athens. But I want you to know, yes, with the physical eyes, you look at the city, it's full of corruption and immorality. But I want you to know that I give you a promise that you are going to have fruit. You are going to have results. I declare to you this morning that every Christian is to have fruit. There shouldn't be any fruitless Christians. Every Christian is to bear fruit. As long as you are plugged into the, to the vine, you will bear fruit. There's a changing process that has taken place within our lives. Then last of all, we also find that he also encouraged him by God's intervention. I'm looking at my clock. Watch here. I will be long-winded. Notice what it says in verse 12. Follow with me in verse 12. Now it says over here that in verse 11 that he continued. You notice what it said? I like that word. Did he run? What does it say? He what? Continued there a year and what? Teaching the word of God among them. And then it says, and when Gallio was deputy of Achaia, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat. Okay, now the Jews are still after him. See the battle? Jews are still after him. There's still warfare that's taking place. They bring him to the judgment seat saying, This fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was now about to open up his mouth, Gallio said unto the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O ye Jews, reason, would that I should bear with you. But if it be a question of word and names and of your law, look ye to it, for I will be no judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. Now notice what it says. It says over here 
that when Paul, in verse, look the way God intervenes. He intervenes. God is the one that protected Paul. God was the one that began to speak and, and raise up this man to speak in behalf of Paul. It says in verse 14, when Paul was now about to open up his mouth. Notice that? Now, you, I can't help but think about, I wonder what Paul was going to say. Well, he probably would have given a heavy speech. I tell you one thing, he, was gonna, he wasn't going to get on that intellectual bag that he had in, in Athens, that's for sure. That's why you find in, 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 in the Corinthians, it says the foolish things of this world. And he talks about the wisdom of, of man, his foolishness unto God. And he comes up with all these things because he learned a lesson. And over here, he's just ready to open up his mouth and begin to defend himself. When he didn't have to do it, God raised up the sinner to do it. He raised up another man that wasn't even a Christian. He raised up the governor. And it says over here, and when Paul was about to open up his mouth, Gallio said unto the Jews, the governor, if it were a matter of wrong, and he stopped Paul, he says, be quiet, I'll take care of this. If it was a matter of lewdness, or ye Jews reason would that I would bear with you, but it be a question of word and names of your law, you look to it, I'll be no judge in such matter. He says, listen, if it would have been something that he legally did wrong, then I will deal with it. It's out of my jurisdiction. This is among yourselves. He says, uh, Christianity is part of Judaism, so you take care of it yourself. I don't even want to deal with it. And you know what they did? It even turned around. I mean, God turned everything around. They were coming against Paul. Now notice in the next verse. And then he, he had to drive them out. God didn't see. And then it says in verse 17, then all the Greeks, listen to what happened. It all turned. God turned everything around. All the Greeks, who did they get a hold of? The chief ruler of the synagogue. Sustenus the chief ruler of the synagogue, and instead of beating Paul, who did they beat? Huh? Look at the way God turned everything around. They beat the chief ruler of the synagogue and beat him before the judgment seat, right in front of, in front of Gallio. And it says, and, and Gallio did nothing. He actually even let them beat him. And then it says, and Paul after this tarried yet a good while. Now let me mention something to you, and I'm going to end with this. The beautiful thing of it is this, that this man, Sustenus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, somehow, after that beating, that beating was a good beating, real good beating. You know why? Because after that beating, this man actually got saved. You say, well, how did he get saved? Now, imagine this, the two rulers of the synagogue get saved. You talk about revival. I mean, after that beating, he must have said, man, this must be God. He said, man, this guy must really be anointed. This really must be real. It may, what he's saying must be true. And, and I want you to look into uh, Corinthians over here. And, and you're going to notice something here. In Corinthians chapter 1. Corinthians chapter 1. Okay, you have it. Now read with me the first verse of Corinthians chapter 1. Notice what it says. Okay, Paul called to be, he's writing to Corinthians, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and who? And our what? 
he became a brother. God was able to turn everything around. And then because of that, he was able to say, and it says that, uh, that Paul, after this, tarried there a good while. All the opposition, God was able to take care of, tarried there a good while, and then took his leave, and it goes on, and we're going to be dealing with this next week. But we're able to see the intervention of God. God is able to turn things around. And I want you to know the same miracle-working God that Paul had is the same miracle-working God that we also have this morning. I'm going to ask our brother to come to the piano. I want you to stand with me right now, if you will. I want you to raise your hands. Glory to God. Raise your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. I want those of you right now, quickly, before we conclude this morning, you say, Brother Sonny, I feel discouraged. You know what discouragement means? Discouragement means a loss of courage. And if you feel that you have fear and you're afraid, and you have doubt within your mind this morning, I want, I want to pray for you. I want you to come and stand here right now. Just step out right now. I want to pray for you. I want you to be honest before God and honest with yourself and come and stand here this morning. If the devil's been lying to you, come. Come and stand here this morning. We're going to believe. We're going to trust God. God is able. God is able. God is able. God is able. Shut up, our science. those that have come. Listen, God is able. Right here we're reading miracle. It's an account of, of, of miracle after miracle that God was able to perform. Jesus is able to turn things all around as we begin to acknowledge him in our lives. Stop hearing the devil, listening to the devil. And begin to believe God this morning. He loves you. His presence is with you even now. His presence is anointing. He that calleth you is faithful. Those promises that he's made unto you are promises that still stand, that are still true. For he's faithful to his word and faithful to his promises this morning. Whatever that need is within your life, God is able. We're going to sing it one more time, and then uh, we're going to pray first, and then we're going to sing it together. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and begin to say, I believe God, I believe God, I will trust God. Lord Jesus, this morning, I pray for all those that are gathered here at this precious altar. Lord, I pray that you begin to encourage their hearts right now. Let them not look through the natural eyes, but through the spiritual eyes that they may put their trust and confidence in you in the name of Jesus right now in the name of Jesus right now we pray the anointing of the Lord brings the yoke of bondage the anointing of the Lord raise your hands raise your hands to him 
This message has challenged you to step out and grow in your faith and walk in your victory. We would like to give you an opportunity to help someone who at this moment is in need for that victory in their life. You can make the difference by contributing a special gift to help us reach a hurting soul. Go to SonnyArganzoni.org and make your special love gift. Be sure to continue to listen to Living in Victory with Pastor Sonny Argonzoni on Spotify and iTunes.